0: All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 260, no, 286. Yes. Um, Second attempt. We did record an episode last week. Unfortunately there were some technical issues that made that episode unable to be aired. So we will revisit that topic in the future. Um and hopefully, you know, catch up on it. Let's get into some news quickly from the week uh or from past week is um Eric Carr's niece was gonna be starring in a yeah, Mark, do you remember? Yeah, she was gonna uh, be starring in a play. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. right by Ken apparently, right? Yeah, and
0: and Lafayette, so Sarah Jean is her name. And let me yeah. just see if I can find this text. I'm unprepared. I'm sorry. Um, it's going to be running through the 21st. It opened last week. And, um, you know, it sounds like a really cool thing at Lafayette, uh, this theater. And I'll post the details for it since I'm so unprepared today. Um, I'm, of course, drinking my election juice for Thursday <laughs> at home in Britain where I'm disenfranchised from voting. Um, So I'll be watching the results of that later. The other thing I meant to mention last week is that Tommy Thayer's Epiphone, the new blue sparkle one, um, what's it called, the electric blue, has – you know, is available for pre-order at uh, Reverb, and it's just seven hundred bucks, and it's a really good piece of gear uh, for someone who may not be able to afford a Les Paul or get into the Les Paul kind of range. Um, very well spec'd out. I've got the the Spaceman, which was the first signature guitar he had, and it plays like a monster. Well,
1: there is a video on YouTube too, if you want to check it out. He does play it, and he talks about it online. Yeah,
0: so it's a lot of guitar for the money and it also looks really good if you get one signed by him, um, in silver sharpie. Looks really nice and it's probably one of the more affordable, um, single member, you know, uh, kind of interactions that you can purchase on the tour along with Eric singers, drum, uh, drum heads, um, you know, so both very good things that you can get. Um, I don't think there's any other news. Mark, you just released your Christmas EP and I was pinging you on that. You've got a really groovy song on there that immediately <laughs> turned my head. So, congratulations
1: <laughs> on it. Uh, what was the title of that one? The Mad Dash? Yeah, The Mad Dash. Uh, basically, yeah, thanks, Ken, uh, Ken, Julian, uh, about that. Uh, basically, it's, uh, my little attempt at a Christmas, uh, EP, sort of a short story where, you know, you know the story, all of us can kind of relate to being last minute shoppers at one point in our life. And it's just like the story of the last minute shopper and his four phases of shopping, waking up in the morning, the car ride to the mall, the mad dash through the toy section, which is the part that Julian seems to like quite a lot. And then the, the getting home and sitting by the fireplace, drinking a, either a glass of whiskey or whatever it is, and, uh, you know, chilling out after your crazy day. So yeah, uh, if people want to check it out, it's on Bandcamp. That actually brings me to one other thing. This is a good segue. Um, on my Bandcamp site, if you go there now, you'll find this album, which is the one I did uh, last, uh, "Man of Science, Man of Dreams." Uh, you can buy it right now till the end of the year for just ten bucks. Ten bucks. I'm pretty much just trying to clear out my remaining. Uh, Copies of this, this one, and I only have a couple of copies left of the brand new day the record before this. So both albums on vinyl are available for ten bucks, and it's colored vinyl, so that's like a deal and a half. So if you haven't gotten, if you haven't gotten a copy of that, then by all means go to my Bandcamp site, projectgemini.bandcamp.com.
0: Yeah, and it's also really good music. You know, if if that's a factor for you, it's worth it. Well, listening. yeah, yes.
1: So not just that it's pretty colored
0: vinyl. <laughs> <was good> music. <laughs> in talking of vinyl, though, what did you guys think of the KISS? Um, they're unloading their Kisteria box sets, so surplus stock, so that what they've done is they've gone in. Gene uh, and Paul have signed the the road cases um they have put in a couple of prints from the tour, a, a nice, it looks like an 8x10 of Gene and one of Paul. Very nice pictures, probably taken by Keith, who does, well, he has, he gets great position and freedom to roam to get the uh, the really nice shots. And then they've slapped, what is it, 2500 bucks now for the, uh, but it's the last 30 sets, so Daniel, what do you think about that? Is that like a selling point, or are you just like, oh my god, they will do anything?
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's not the one with all the CDs or all the vinyls. In vinyl. Yeah, vinyl. vinyl. Yeah, vinyl. I guess if you're a vinyl guy, but still, uh, I'm sounding like an old record. It's still the same records that we already have and so on and so forth. So, so, so to me, it doesn't do anything. Uh, but I'm sure some fans will enjoy it. And uh, 30 sets, I guess they will sell all of those and it's nice that they take some time and sign them and and, hey. and
0: so on but but yeah nothing not for me cool way to get rid of them especially when i mean come on how many copies of the albums have all of us bought collectively yeah can that's... you still actively collect i mean Same did area. you did you get Kisteria? i don't remember
3: i did get i did get it uh, i think i ordered it on um, the evening of the first day it was available <laughs> Um, so I'm one of the early people and I saw that they were going to sell these last 30. I'm like, and they're signing. I'm like, you know, I, would said that they, they lost $750 from me, uh, because I bought it at the lower price originally. I said, if they would have signed them upfront, I think they would have sold faster. Say they say if they sold, you know, signed a hundred or so, um, those hundred would have gone real fast. Off the beginning, at the beginning, right. um, where you know what was it? They came out in 2014, right? It's five years. Yep. Uh, it took five years to sell a thousand of these things, supposedly, or almost. You know, it's not sold out, obviously, yet. Um, so I think they should have, you know, if they would have sold them. With the signature, they could have charged a little more. I would have paid a little bit more for that, I think. Um,
2: the the only thing I, I'd buy is the the photo from the Revenge era lineup. I think it looked kind of cool. Isn't there a photo of the Revenge era lineup in the
3: I think so. Set? Yeah, I, I think so. I haven't,
2: That's I haven't, the I haven't looked, looked thing at I it in a while, but I'm yeah. sure there is. It's know. a real cool <laughs> picture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mark, your your thoughts on it, and then we'll get into today's topics
1: um well i mean i i didn't get it to me it's you know being an independent musician you know uh i twenty five hundred dollars i can do a lot with that uh in fact pressing my next album on vinyl is probably close to that amount right so i think i'd rather spend it on that plus oh yeah there there you go and uh i i like to uh you know i i collect the albums too so I don't I don't feel guilty about passing on Kisteria because I have like you know 15 copies of Rock and Roll over you oh. know 17 copies of the first record so I I think that they'll be more than happy with my contribution to their you know their whole catalog overall and I have bought all the reissues too so just I just didn't get them in the Kisteria box that's all mind you I would love to have get some of the added posters that were in there as well but you know um, yeah, if it was a little bit cheaper, but you know that's again, I'm not knocking anybody who's buying it. I just can't afford it just in the situation that I'm in. If I won the lotto or something sure, I would have dove on it. But can I just show something really quick before we start on the topic? Uh, I did get I've, I've been always I've always been the one who's never had something whenever you've asked did you buy anything this week? And I'm always like, "No, I didn't get anything." So this week I actually have something that I actually got for once. Uh, first I want to show this. I'm a big Bowie fan, and I love Mick, Ron- Mick Ronson. I finally got this That's on awesome. yellow on yellow the vinyl. Bowie.
0: Mick fucking yeah. Ronson. Oh my god!
1: I love the man. He's yes.
0: fantastic. Oh my god! Yes.
1: He he is. I, I can honestly say that between Alex Lifeson and Paul Gilbert, who started me in my performative stages, and Tony Iommi as an influence. Mick Ronson has really shaped me as a player lately and in my later times of guitar playing. And I got to give a big prop and shout out to a a person that's on my page, uh, Steven Dill. Uh, He helped me out for Black Friday and got me the the Frank Zappa 10-inch of uh, Peaches and Regalia. This is a special mono mix that he did a long time ago that was never released. So, uh, I was really searching for this and I couldn't find it anywhere here in Canada at all. So he, he, he messaged me and said, yeah, I can get it for you. It was limited edition. I got number 2,656. So thank you, Steve, for getting that for me. And uh, that's what I got this week. Yay, I got something. Nice.
0: I, I mean, I got a package finally. I have not been to the record store for anything, but a package arrived for me. And it's, ah. uh, sorry about the reflection there. But uh you know, so I've got that now in my collection. We also have something else. We're going to do a giveaway this episode. And, ah. uh, you know, E1 has put together some really good packages uh, for Ace Frehley. And, of course, this new EP for Record Store Day was a, you know, E1 um, exclusive for that day. They've also done the 10th anniversary mm. edition of Anomaly. Now, I wasn't going to buy this, but what I found out about it is that the cover's embossed. And it is really, really nice. It's a gatefold. Um, I'm not going to open this one up because this is actually the one we're going to give away. Um, And what E1 has done for this recent release cycle is their own Ace Signed exclusive editions. And this, of course, comes on yellow vinyl. So we're going to give this away. It's signed by Ace. Um, The way they did these is they do a signed cover. They also give you the actual one that's got the yellow vinyl LP in it. So you actually receive two sleeves uh, or jackets cool. for for the phrase. So we're going to give this away. And, um, you know, for anyone who's not had the chance to get it or just wants to win it or flip it, whatever, once it's yours, it's yours. You know, you'll find out during this show how you can win one. So, guys, remind me to tell people how they can remind it when we get into the topics.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and then the other thing that I got this week was I – often look around for auctions in weird places and I found an auction for some phonogram stuff uh, mm-hmm. from their art archive that was up for sale. And I'm not going to get it out because when this box arrived FedEx yesterday, from the auction house it was like 28 inches long and you can't even see my hands on the screen because it, i mean it was a gigantic box i'm like oh shit what did i buy um and it, it was actually the triangular def leopard logo from the first album that was yeah. the master artwork used for the sleeve on the hello america single um inside the gatefold in all the ads and i mean it, it's like um i think i had it with a, a tape measure out the actual original artworks like 10 inches high something on a 12 by 12 Sheet. Um, it's gigantic. Very cool. Also comes with a horizontal logo that they did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's from the high and dry era. Um, yeah. I haven't quite tracked down where it was used, but that's right my wheelhouse for Def Leppard. And it comes oh, wow. with the supporting documentation for the artists uh, who'd done the line coloring. You still see the pencil marks and the design. So like mm-hmm. the Kiss logo, it was done with a protractor. But the whole point I'm talking about this is there was a... British picture sleeve cover the original layout for the arc, the graphic layout on board for talk to me. Um, and a test printing of that. So I got both of those. I was like, well chuffed, really pleased. You oh, know, yeah. looking at this, you know, like first print test copy of it, it's on different stock than I remember the other sleeves to been. That was kind of, um, the production ones, I think were on kind of a, a soft paper that mm-hmm. was, you know, frayed at the top. This is on solid, glossy. Or semi-gloss um, stock, but you could also see that there was a gradient to the background. While it's primarily red, it starts orange at the bottom and goes to red at the top. So how it was supposed to look. I'm um, just the geek in me. I'm like, oh wow, that's like neat. No wonder it didn't show up when it actually got printed. But just the stuff you can find out there is the point. I'm not going to tell you where because I'm hoping there's more stuff from that art art More puffs? <laughs> yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad people say well, where. Where did you get it? Find it yourself. It's out there. Mm-hmm. Do the legwork. You never know yeah. what you're going to yeah. come up with. People find yeah. some outrageously cool stuff. I think this is a great example. I mean, this is the, you know, for Talk To Me. Okay, that's not as interesting as this is the fucking Def Leppard logo from 1980, along with the bill yes. that shows how much really the cool. artist was, you know, uh, and that that could Built? go up on my wall. That's and if, cool. I could, if I could afford to go to the tour and do the meet and greet and get, you know, Rick, so, uh, Joe… Uh, Sav to sign it. I wouldn't let Phil anywhere near it. Well, um, <laughs> it's, it's the 1980s. 1980... Like yeah, then i have to go to Sheffield and find one of his uh properties and tell him that the sink was broken to get him <laughs> over there to sign it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, no, no Steve. Yeah, I thought they'd both make good signings, um, items, but you know, just cool shit. So always look around, look in your local ads for estate sales, um, you know, stop by garage sales. You never know what you're going to find. This was completely unexpected. Um. So very cool. Let's move into cool. today's topics. We're going to the board this week. You know, last week's, uh, you know, unusable episode. This week, so much has been going on, on the board that there's actually stuff that I think is worth talking about and discussing. Um, you know, let's jump straight in. And on one of the topics that's getting a lot of hits is lip syncing. How can you support this? Um, I just like to get everyone's thoughts on that. You know, for those of us that have gone to shows, how do we justify it? If it's, you know, in, in the case, I, is anyone here going to deny it's happening? I don't think so. Um, there's certainly tape being used. I'm not afraid to admit that for myself. I'm going to say when I'm spending that amount on tickets, I want a good show. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, that's the only justification I need in my head. I don't want to see anyone sc- uh, screaming like an injured cat. Um, and paying for the privilege of doing so. So I, I rationalize it in my head is if it's the best way to get a, a show done at this stage, then I have no problem with it. Daniel, what would be your thoughts on that whole kind of topic?
2: Well, I have to second that opinion a bit. Uh, um, to me, um, I think it's the only band I would go and see that uh, the only band I could accept this from just because I like them so much. I mean, the Motley Crue tour is around the corner, and I guess they might need some help as well. But that won't interest me the same way, I think. Uh, uh, I, the show I went to, I, I um, consciously did not look a lot at Paul during the concert. I didn't want to see it. Uh, and I managed to, to uh, well, I didn't think about, about it during the show, actually. A few beers could have something to do with it as well, but but uh, but I didn't uh, think of it that much. Uh, I focused on Gene more, and the show was great. And uh, uh, but but in reality, Kiss has been using smoke and mirrors for for decades, in some shape or form, uh, and we've all accepted the things they've done. I mean if you compare the way they move the way they the, they jump around the stage have a look at animalized live uncensored from 84 and compare it, it's nowhere near and it's really been that way maybe even since the reunion tour it's been um, another sort of band than than it was previously it's a lot about nostalgia and uh, if you accept that i think you can accept the the, the lip-syncing as well even though i didn't think i would be able to do it but it worked when i saw them live, i think i'm thinking of uh, seeing them another time uh, this summer when they come to stockholm yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah you've got a few more shows in your neck of the wood coming up yep. that, are, that are possibilities and they're clustered yeah. pretty well for you know the scandinavian fans to do multiple shows the german fans to do multiple shows and uh i think uh well, that's it, really. Uh, really the two areas of Europe where the fans generally exist. Mark, you I, I don't think you've even gone to a show, but as a working musician, um, as someone who creates, are you offended by it, or do you see another side of the
1: coin? Uh, well, I'm going to start with this. If I remember correctly, and if you go back maybe about 50 or 60 episodes ago, I was the one who started this. I started this whole denial about saying that he was the one using backing tracks and that he was using sampled vocals at first. Everyone's like, David didn't believe it at first. But hey, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Knowing full well how this technology works, because I've seen it used lots of times before by other bands in situations uh, from as far back as like years before, um, there were telltale signs, obviously. Now, I'm going to agree with Julian on one end of it, If I'm paying a hundred and some odd dollars for a ticket, the last thing I want to hear is him with a horsed out voice, sounding like he gargled nails before he went on stage, you know, and singing like that. I I want to hear a, a decent show. And I know he can perform still well on guitar and everything. And that's never been a question. Musically, they're a fantastic band still. It's just he has issues vocally. So do I want it to be ruined by that? No. I mean, that's the guy who has the wallet in his pocket talking. Now the guy who comes out and who's the musician his his reaction is going to be like what the fuck man this guy can't sing anymore like people like much older than him can sing well still. I mean look at Steven Tyler and all these other guys who can still put on decent shows, you know. I mean there's lots of people that I've seen that that are, you know, Look at least they're not doing backing tracks. let's just put it that way. they're going out there they're doing their thing and that's aren't it. they
0: aren't they Aerosmith's been using tracks for decades. go back to permanent vacation tour and they were doing samples and shit so um, he sounds okay. like he's strangling a cat half the time anyway, even though that's his natural singing <laughs> style.
1: okay but but there are, there are there are bands out there that still go up there and do their things without it okay David Coverdale's uh, a good example. Glenn Hughes. Yeah, there you go. See, I mean, you guys can pick out, I'm sure, dozens of people who still do it, right? But like I said, I want to see a good show too. And so obviously I don't mind it as much because of that, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not against that totally because one of my favorite bands in the whole world, they use backing stuff for music. I mean, Rush on their Test for Echo tour had second guitar stuff on backing tracks that they played to a click to because they had to, because they had so much guitar overdubbed on some of these records. They had to do it. Otherwise it sounded like there was like half the song was missing, you know? So I, I don't, I don't hate the technology. It's just, I I guess I'm one of those guys that, you know, if there was, if there's a strong reason to use it, fine. If not, then why use it? You know, I mean, Motley Crue will have every reason to use it now. I mean, Vince is, you know, not in great shape to sing. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they use it, and I think they have used backing tracks, especially on backing vocals for years. I know that's true, but yeah. whatever. Like I said, if I'm going to spend that much money, yeah, I don't think I'll, I would mind it so much.
0: Yeah. Vince Happy Meal, uh, and his <laughs> t- his tracks for half the words. No, well, actually he's down to a third of the I love Motley Crue, by the way. Some of my favorite mm. shows I went to were Motley Crue. But over the past ten years his performances have been shite. Utter crap. And I felt offended paying for them. Um Ken, bring some reason into this discussion. <laughs> well,
2: uh going
3: back to before it was like over a year ago year ago last august or somewhere around there we had a episode and we talked about you know lip syncing well is it gonna happen or you know well kiss do a tour and so on and and i remember saying that i think if they did a tour they would have to use tracks uh, because the way paul was singing at that time was Mm -hmm. was not good so he obviously they they obviously did it and it's working and you know i went to that one show in in sacramento so far and it was fantastic i had a great time i mean not everyone is has backing tracks in the band or anything um it's, it's just paul and if you saw a little bit of the tokyo thing that just happened recently you could see uh when paul's you know screaming or talking in between some of the songs his voice is there's no way he could have been singing. Um, there's no way. So um, I think it was a good idea. And again, most of the people at those shows are fair weather fans uh, that are coming out. They're just not all Kiss fans. They're fans that have, you know, oh, it's the last tour. I got to go see them. You know, I never went out and saw saw Kiss, or I heard the, you know, their one song on the radio. I might as well go go to their Concert, um, so it, yeah, I think it's it's okay, it's okay, and it works. People have a good time. I had a great time, and now I'm a Kiss fan going way way back,
2: and I I don't have a problem with it. You yeah. have to keep in mind a Kiss concert is, is so much more than the actual performance nowadays. At least for us Kiss fans, I mean the whole gathering before the concert, getting fans the experience. It's I, I think I had more fun this year than probably even when I went to the reunion tour because of all the fans, because of the community, because of the Kiss army. So that's a big, big part of Kiss these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, to me, that's a real big part of the experience and uh, something that I really look forward to every time I go and see Kiss. It was the same when when I went to see Gene Simmons. I mean, the the pre-party with other guys. I mean, that's fantastic. It's almost like being religious, I guess, if I was religious i mean you have the you have the same belief and and you feel the unity sort of it's it's really, really
0: cool yeah you're you're you know you're, the congregation is gathering for home Holy yeah. communion of yeah. ki- of christianity <laughs> and going yeah. to be drinking from gene's blood yeah. cup um yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's the same thing
1: <laughs> but it is about it's
0: about show business and I think that's yeah. always been the things that you have to separate show, business. It is about money. Um, but when yeah. we went to Vancouver, I, I went to Vancouver, and, you know, Paul, his raps, he, he could barely introduce songs. And then you heard good songs being performed. And I'm be- saying being performed specifically rather than being sung. Um, and they've worked. Tommy and Eric so much more into the vocals and Gene's done so much more vocalizing and backgrounds to try and support the whole machine that they really tried everything that they could. But we go back to 2017 and when I went to Reno for that show, I was like, holy shit, this is just, you know, I tried to be positive and spin it then, but... You really get to a point where you, you know why they're doing the end of the road tour. They know, you know why they're doing this now. And they're going all out to give everyone the happiest ending that you can receive from a non Balinese, um, specialist. Would you like your happy ending, sir? Yes, please. And can you, can you use tape? <laughs> all right. That's probably a bad sed- segue into another topic. So, um, gene and i mean one of the things that people suggested on the board again all these topics today are coming from the message board pretty much um i think you, you could know. actually
2: say who's who's come up with with a topic it's it's kind of interesting to hear who who is who it is who, who started, started yeah, yeah who started it, the
0: it might be some returning band user whose name I'm watching and don't want to draw attention to. Oh, okay.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> um, and because we use aliases and not real names on the board, which is something I hate, but it is what it is. It's like CB radios in the 70s. I feel like an idiot saying butt fart 49 Laker Breaker breaker. You know, yeah, came up with this topic. <laughs> Let's move into the next part, though. This was another... Kind of, uh, no, not a kind of, it was a topic on the message board in the past week, and it was, uh, should Gene assume more vocal duties? And I take that to read, what more can Gene do? I mean, he's already doing a lot more singing of vocals than he ever did, making for a very interesting listening experience for me, as someone who collected the bootlegs, uh, for many years. Uh, what more can he do? Do you put more Gene songs in? Well, Paul's still a member of the band and is not going to let that balance to come out of, uh, go out of whack, is he? Um, so Ken, back to you for, should Gene do more? I mean, yeah. Well, come on, Gene. While, stop being so lazy.
3: While I'd like to have more Gene songs, uh, I, I understand that's really not a possibility, uh, with the partnership with Paul. Um, but, uh, having said that, they could, you know, uh, insert a couple of more, you know, Tommy, a Tommy song in, and another uh, Eric Singer, you know, add a couple of more of those, let them take the, the vocals on a couple of other songs that we don't hear uh, that often. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to have more Gene songs because I love, <laughs> I love all the Gene songs, but uh, I know it's not, that's just... Can or won't happen um, in, in while Paul's there. So yeah, Pete. Uh, you know, uh, what well, I almost said, Peter, um, <laughs> Eric, Eric or or Tommy should the you know, mom. yeah, give him, give him another song
1: each. Yeah, Mark. Well, uh, I I agree. I he, they're not going to upset that precious balance of songs between Paul and Gene, but what I think they maybe could do that one might make people happy is why don't we pull in some different gene songs, keep the same amount of songs that gene does to make the balance equal, but bring in some of the songs that he doesn't do very often, you know, like do once in a while, a burn, bitch, burn, or do something that we haven't heard in a long time. You know, just even if it's one song, I mean, I'm sure they can get away with one really odd song that the audience, the whole audience is not going to clear out from one song, you know? So You know, but, you know, change it up a bit, bring and put some other songs on there that he hasn't done in a long while. You know, I think that would kind of make his fans a little bit more happy, too, to say, hey, you know, he's not only singing the usual stuff. Now he's singing something different, you know, like, wouldn't that be odd if they actually came out and played like spit or something? That would be something really odd to do in makeup. You know, interesting. But, but you know, it's it's something different, and I think it'd make the, those hardcore Kiss fans that go there say at least, wow, well, at least they're doing something different now. You know, we can't expect Paul to sing less, and yeah, maybe we can give, you know, uh, Tommy and Eric a song here, and, here or there, but we know what songs they'll do. That's already predictable, you know? It's not like they're going to say to Tommy, you're going to do Torpedo Girl tonight. You know that's not going to happen, right? So, but why not just give Gene some different songs from the catalog?
0: Yeah, big enough. It's like a really big catalogue, big, like gymnasium. Daniel, yeah. your thoughts on making Gene prob- work more for yeah. his paycheck?
2: The problem is Paul is singing on speed as well, so you can't do that one. You know, they trade vocals. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, uh, other Gene songs, he has a lot of great tunes that they could play, of course. But uh, I wouldn't want to – I'm on the other end of the stick when it comes to this. I mean, I know Ken is a big Gene fan. He's a fan of the Gene songs. I'm on the other end. I like the Paul songs, so I would not like to trade away the Paul songs, even though he he's not singing them. I still want to hear "Heavens on Fire." I want to I want to hear uh, "Lick It Up." Uh, all those kind of stuff that I grew up grew up on. I would like to hear "Tears Are Falling." I would like to hear "Crazy Nights." I like all the, all that stuff. So I don't want to have more jeans songs if you take away take away Paul's songs.
1: But what if How they change goes? the jeans songs? What if they do? Fits like a glove. Wouldn't you be happy? Yes, I would.
2: <laughs> I would be real happy. What's yeah. uh, his favorite song? Yeah.
1: But, uh, I guess that won't happen.
2: But that was, would be a better choice than Spit. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes,
3: because they they listen
0: to these shows and they won't do anything that we would say are our favorites. (laughs) Larger than life, yeah. At times it seems like that's the case. (laughs) Well, okay. So I'm going to say, you know, Gene already works hard. You know, the man is worth a deuce. Um, (laughs) What more can he do? What more should he do? Come on, the guy's 70. Uh You know, let's get realistic here. I like the idea of making Tommy and Eric work harder. No, I like the idea of hearing more from them. I also like the idea of pissing people off. Um, I do it regularly. So I think Tommy Tommy doing Rocket Ride would be fantastic, a way to get people talking. I mean, come on, yeah, generate press. You know, get people talking about it. Or you know, have Tommy going through Ace's catalog talk to me. Um, you know, Rocket Ride. Rocket Ride was a top forty hit. Yeah, Payola, big deal. Um, you know let's see how he can, you know, maybe do some of more of uh Bob's, you know, solos. That doesn't generate that much press. <laughs> It's my life. Sell the vault. I mean, surely that needs to keep moving. Throw in "It's my life." All four of them can trade off on the vocals like the originals did on you know that recording, and that takes off the you know the load from Gene and Paul. Maybe let just Tommy and Eric do the the vocals on it, and Gene can just come in during the chorus. Whatever. There there are so many ways Mm -hmm. to kind of Mm -hmm. do it, and also sell product. Again, I'm, I'm always stunned that, you know, they've got these Kisterias and they, they don't seem to, you know, do much mentioning any of it in concert. Um, it, it's just very disappointing from that point of view. I wanted to talk about that Kisteria thing. I mean, now that we get to the bottom of the barrel, they sign copies. Well, why didn't they sign a 100 copies and mix them in randomly into the stock to begin with as a way to get yeah. people, you know, just stupid stuff like that. You know, yeah. randomly insert signed copies into the stock of stuff they sell through the Kiss Online store Um you know, have have it all packaged up in such a way that the people packing it can't, you know, pick favorites so that Mark Cicchini yeah. gets all the signed copies uh, for his collection, <laughs> stuff like that, uh, and Julian gets none. Um, I'd like to see them do that, but I'd also like to see them continuing to do merchandise during this tour. We've just had a great tour video of the merch stand in Japan. And the Crazy. seven hour lines for, for that stuff where <laughs> it, it's just insane. The Tokyo Dome Crazy. show and everything that went on there. Why aren't they doing more stuff while they're doing Kisteria and doing 30 copies signed? Why aren't they doing a mini version of it on CD with mm. those mixes have still not been released? You know, doing a little mini road case with all the copies of the CDs in it. Some copy yeah. signed by Gene and Paul and, you know, buy it by mail order. You know, direct. Universal's doing so much of that stuff now. They're missing the boat. But I wanted to talk about merchandise. It's too easy for me to go off on a tangent after a couple of sips of whiskey. Um, And Tokyo, yesterday, the videos are now out. They finally had a special guest join them on stage. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Yoshiki. I mean, the guy is a legend. Uh, massive, massive legend in Japan, and they had him come up and play piano, so for the first time this tour, Eric didn't have to pretend that he was playing Beth, (laughs) someone who actually knew which pedals do what on a piano was up there and the whole band was obviously out on stage and then yoshiki also went up behind eric's drum wait wait, what's this he fucked with eric two songs took eric's stick away from him for Beth, and also the drums the drums on rock and roll all night the end of the show culmination Course, you know, what's what are they going to do next? Have a guitarist take Tommy's guitar and do a couple of songs. But what do you guys think of that, Mark? yashiki you I mean, obviously, Kiss My Ass, he was on there. Um, X is mm-hmm. a big band. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I think it was kind of cool, actually, because um, Kiss is one of those bands that very rarely ever has had somebody come up on stage with them, right? So this makes it a sort of a you know, a rare appearance, and for people who are there at the show. It makes them feel extra special because they're, they were there. They could say, I was there at a show that had somebody come up on stage. And, you know, the, like you said, the guy's a legend, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the piano playing is fantastic. So instead of sitting there, you know... Rolling your eyes, saying, "Yeah, he's not really playing that damn piano." Now we know that we have a solid player up there doing it, and I think that it probably made the song all the better for it. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't catch the whole video. I w- I've been going here and there, looking around and stuff, so I haven't seen the full performance. But I mean, th- what he what he did on uh the Kiss My Ass compilation with the Black Diamond song was fantastic. So you know, he's obviously a talented musician. So you know, bringing somebody up like that that's got to tell you something right there too. I mean, Kiss wouldn't bring just anybody up, you know, the, the fact that they brought him up shows how much respect they had for him. Number one. And, you know, they were probably confident enough that he would go up there and do a great performance of the song with them, which he did.
0: Yeah. Great. And what did he do on Kiss My Ass? Was it Black, Black Diamond? Black Diamond. Black Diamond. Yeah. 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 Ken, great. what, are, you, what yeah. are your thoughts on Yoshiki? Yeah,
3: I think it was great. Um, and like Mark said, you know, kisses you know so uh what do you want to say um (laughs) they they don't go out of their box at all and this is this is something that they never do you know have someone on stage with them Um, so it was very cool Uh, i saw both videos i saw the beth video uh which is cool him uh, playing the piano and and eric standing next to him singing um and then the the drums i think it's probably the first time they've had what two drum drum sets on on stage because they were both playing drums um and they were playing together as drums and then at at, at one point uh eric sing singer kind of stops and 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 yoshiki is still still drumming away and then he comes back in and you know continues and i thought that you know that's really cool um that they did that and um so yeah they have obviously a lot of respect for um that artist and uh, I think it was a cool thing, a cool thing for the fans of Japan.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I immediately thought of is they were showing Japan a great deal of respect. Um, you know, obviously for a country that is very big on manners and behavior okay. and, uh, and the cultural side that, you know, as Westerners, we, we can't really fathom Um it's just amazing that they have finally had a guest. And of course it was in Japan and it was Yoshiki and it was in Tokyo and it was on two very important songs in the set. Um, So I thought that was very cool from that perspective. Daniel, what were your thoughts on it?
2: Well, I think the, the bound between kiss and Japan has always been special. And uh, this is just another way of showing it. And uh, I like anything to shake things up. So I think it was a good idea. And I especially like the the kiss tie-in with with the Kiss My Ass record. That 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 it, that's one of the few songs that's actually listenable on that album. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's a the, the, that's a good tie-in with history, so to speak. I think it was a, a cool thing, just as the other guy said.
0: Yeah, and like Ken mentioned, they haven't had too many people join them on stage ever before. Joe I mean, Perry. I mean, Joe, Joe Perry. Joe Perry. Phil. Uh, phil Failed. colonoscopy. Um, <laughs> the, 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 jur, the journalist, uh, God, what's her name? I should know this cream.
1: Oh, the, yeah, the
0: I, I, I well, Winiski. is it Jan or something?
3: Or?
0: Jan Uleski. Yeah. Yeah. Uleski, okay. Yeah, uh, you know that that was very cool, and that's all I can think of off the top of my head in makeup. So, and they they don't really jam. Yeah. So very cool. Alright, let's move on into you know, some more of the uh, of the topics. I think Ken you, you chimed in. Do we no we covered Did that I? we had the last thirty Kisteria sets. So uh, yeah. there was also a poll this week. Which king, which kiss king is your pick as your favorite? King Uh-oh, of the nighttime yeah. world, king of the mountain, or king of hearts? Daniel, which is your which is your king? Well, uh, uh, it's
2: sure as hell it ain't King of Hearts, but the other two are, are great songs. But I have to go with King of the Mountain because uh, that's probably my favorite song from the 80s, um, the dynamic drumming from Eric Carr. Uh, the awesome vocals from Paul Stanley And great lyrics Or great, but at least great Kiss lyrics, you know mm-hmm. I'm the king of the mountain, standing on top of uh, You know, all that kind of stuff So that's a perfect kiss song Perfect album opener and everything uh, So
0: I'd I'll, I'll pick that one That's a good pick Mark, you're going to pick
1: Destroyer, of
0: course <laughs>
1: uh, How did you know How <laughs> did you know I was going to pick that no, uh, you, you, I, I always right away when I saw that uh, topic. Actually, I, I immediately went for uh, "King of the Mountain." Of course, that's my favorite song. I mean, it's my favorite, you know, Kiss non-makeup album. So, uh, yeah, "King of the Mountain" is easily, and I've said this numerous times, is probably one of the best opening songs that Kiss has ever put on an album.
0: Wow. Second that. Wow,
3: Ken. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's it's King of the Nighttime World. Um, what sacrilege! Oh. I'm sorry, guys, but yeah, mm. I, I, I'll I like that better than King of the Mountain. Um, I, actually, I like it a lot better than King of the Mountain. Even though what? it's a great King of the Mountain's a great leadoff song, of, of course, on the the album. Mm. But it's I just think. Going back in the nighttime world works great. I mean, I heard it first uh, on the live too. That's where I heard it. Um, so that's that's the song that sticks out for me. Um, now, King of Hearts, um, <laughs> I don't want to mention. I, I I I do not like that song. That's one of my least favorite songs on on. Yeah, it's my one of my least favorite songs on uh, Hot in the Shade. So it's just. It's got to be another King song that's better than that. But anyway.
0: You know it's Bruce Kulick's birthday today, and a kitten just died when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, happy birthday, by the way.
3: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's it's just that that song uh, grates on me for some reason. I don't know what it
0: is. That's actually what – I actually really like it. (laughs) Yeah. it it, it was one of those songs on the album that I thought was one of the better ones if we were to lop five songs off and I think that one might uh, might actually survive. Now I'm going to have to go back and check my rankings that I've done on this album on the lipstick panel and the one that we did and see if it was on, you know, anywhere on there. But uh, right now off the top of my head, I'm with Daniel and Mark and King of the Mountain just because of what Asylum means to me. That was my first album. So when I go back, um, it actually is like being a 14-year old again uh, as much as we laugh at that concept sometimes online you know what when i went down to kmart on my birthday that year and bought you know theater of pain and asylum got home put that in the deck and
2: yeah <laughs>
0: who's leading yeah. the
2: poll is is it king of, i guess it's king of the nighttime world king is of the, the nighttime world night
0: well, come on it's yeah. classic kiss of course it's, yeah. win. it's classic yeah. but you know it's a cover And, you know, they didn't they, they, you know, we talked about that in the episode that didn't air last week. You know, yeah, they bought it and they transformed (laughs) it from mundane into spectacular. You can see exactly what Bob Ezrin and Paul Stanley brought to that song. You go online now and listen to the Hollywood stars version of it. And you're like, well, it's kind of it's good, but it's not like first song on a Kiss album. Good. Um, which, you know, you know, it wasn't first song. Second song. Kiss Kiss made
3: it their own. I mean,
0: they really did. Yeah. So, I mean, these three Kings are great songs, (laughs) you know, all three of them for me. So, um, yeah, but I'll, I'll go with Asylum just because of that bombastic Eric Carr, um, makes me think of him every time I play Asylum. And it's also Mm. for me, for me, it's one of the very best opening tracks on any Kiss album. Um, and there's only a few albums where I think they've got killer, killer opening tracks. So, have have, have yeah. we
2: ever ranked the opening songs? That would be a cool episode.
0: We'll have if to. We or, or, but, or, yeah. the, or there'll be another podcast doing it now. I mean, someone may be. The best yeah, it, lead would be a, it
2: would be real fun to do because there's a lot of good ones.
0: Yeah, we'll have to try and narrow oh, yeah. it down maybe into our top ten kiss opening tracks rather than every single album because that'll just become a little bit too turgid with some of those so top 10 kiss opening tracks coming soon to a podcast (laughs) near you um i want to move into another topic speaking of other podcasts uh kiss my collectibles finally you lazy bastards put out an episode uh this week and they did their uh top five essential sentimental kiss items in our collections. And that just seemed like a very good one. Not to do your five, but the item that you own that immediately jumps into your heart when I say that sentence. What is the one item in your collection that you means the most to you? Is not your most expensive necessarily? Is not the one that you went through the most arduous trip to um, obtain? Ken, what's your...
3: <laughs> yeah, that's really hard um, you know I want to say and there's a few things uh, I would maybe put on the, that list and one may be um, the Gene Simmons pick from the Creatures of the Night or uh, where I saw them in San, Fr- uh, San Francisco or maybe the Gene Simmons uh, you know the shell, the half a shell of his, his boot cover there. Um, that that was part of the, um, Gene Simmons, you know, vault. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. Um, it's also, you know, my, you know, even something like a lunch lunchbox. <laughs> I mean, I got that way, way, way back. Um, so it, it's, there's so many things, It's really hard, but it could be just even just having my first KISS concert ticket stub still, I mean, for the Dynasty show. I mean, that I'll look at it and just always have great memories of the lead up to that and the actual day where everything is pretty vivid to me for that for that day of what happened except for the show where it was kind of a blur. I think I was so excited about it, you know? Um, But otherwise I, I still do remember certain things and a lot of things that happened around that show. So, uh, that was a special, special thing for me.
0: Nice. Great selection of, uh, items here. So before I forget, let's do the giveaway for this. So if you want to win, Mm -hmm. A copy of the tenth anniversary Ace Frehley Anomaly uh from E1 Entertainment. It also comes obviously with a sealed copy of the double yellow vinyl uh edition. You know, just email me at Kissfaq at Outlook.com and you're gonna just uh you know, you're gonna mention let's see. I'll tell you at the end of the show what you have to mention. Mark
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so there's there's a quite a few things that I have that that mean things to me, but I'm gonna show one thing that that means a lot to me. Number one, because this item is pretty hard to well find at a you know a price that isn't ridiculous. I find for some reason, and more importantly, I got this uh, from a good friend. And that good friend is actually with us right now on this podcast. Mr. Keenan sent me this.
3: Oh, yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this, I remember when I actually first mentioned this and I showed this on. Uh, the podcast before, I got quite a few people who were actually messaging me, they're like, really, he just gave you that? You didn't have to pay some huge money for it? And I'm like, well, no, I, I didn't. You know, he surprised me with it when I bought a a record off him, I believe. I think I bought the colored vinyl Revenge, and then you snuck that in there with it. And I was like, oh, thanks, Ken. You know, like, it was a really cool thing for Ken to do. I mean, Ken's that kind of a guy. He's very cool. He's a generous guy. He's a good friend. Somebody I'm happy to call a friend, just like Julian and just like Daniel, you know. And when you're friends, you do that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, I'm very pleased to say that, you know, Ken sent this to me. And it, it is one of my cherished things that I have in my collection because I know how difficult it is to find something like this. And, I mean, this is in great condition. I've seen people who had them in their collection look like they were washing their rear ends with it before or something. <laughs> using you know? it for dishes. washing. Yeah, dishes. you know what I mean? Like it was in worse shape than I've ever imagined, you know. So I'm very glad that, you know, Ken sent that to me. And, you know, and also Julian, too. He sent me stuff that I'm very uh, pleased to have, like some of his fantastic books that I have. You know, I mean, it's I gotten, you know, once once a copy from him, you know, as a thank you. And I'm really happy that I got it, you know, and it's it's those kind of things that make it special to me because they are coming from a person that I consider a good friend and that we have a lot in common and we do this podcast together. So that's what makes it special. The money part of it, I could care less if somebody says, Oh, that's that sponge. You could get $300 or whatever ridiculous for it. I don't care. I mean, it's what's important is who gave it to me and what it meant when I got it.
0: Yeah. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, I fought for that. I fought, I fought for those
1: <laughs> sponges <laughs> when, you, when, they,
3: when the uh, disco ball, opened at the end of the show and i was not too far from it uh on the floor and all of a sudden things you know, i i wasn't expecting to happen it's like What's, what the hell is going on you know and these things are falling down and it's like oh you know it's like oh crap you know and, and everyone's you know just grabbing at stuff and where i said you know i told the story of i was grabbing so many trying to grab so many and uh i remember some girl or I forget, but she stepped on my hand on purpose because she didn't want me to grab another one, you know. Uh, but I said, "Okay, you can have it," you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had a few. I still have a couple left uh, of of those, fortunately. But yeah, I share the with you, and I. You now I appreciate the comments, Mark. You know, you know you're a friend too. Yeah, I, uh, good friend. I, you know we have a good time with this stuff and our other podcast that we do sometimes when we get around
0: to it
1: yeah which we have to do soon
0: yeah yes you do guys get on with it want those <laughs> no very very cool story mark that hits the nail on the head all right Daniel you've had a lot of time to think about this
2: well i also appreciated getting a book from Julian that was a nice touch yes. uh, and it, it's the one I like the best, the, the one about the solo albums. A real g- cool cool book. But uh, other than that, uh, to me, it's always been about the music. And um, I was never that big into buying his <coughs> merchandise. Of course, when I was a teenager, uh, I bought a lot. But nowadays, uh, I have other things to to. to, to like tomorrow, I'm going to b- buy a snowmobile. Oh, That's nice. <laughs> stuff well. like I put my money on these days. Uh, but but back in the day, if I think of it, some t- at times I go back to, to my kids' stuff and I put, I, I, I put my fingers on a special items and I kind of finger it a little bit and put it away. It always feels... Cool, and I, 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 I it's like, a, a, it's like, a, going on a journey back to the early days. It's actually the first Kiss cassette, the first Kiss oh, cassette nice. I ever bought. Yeah. And uh, as i said previously, I got the Asylum and Animalize at the same time. But mm. the Animalize album, uh, the cassette of that one. Oh, I like that one. So I nice. have a look at it at times, and uh, you know. It's not worth anything uh, money-wise, but to me, it's always special. It's, it was the gateway into KISS and all this craziness, so mm-hmm. it's always been special to me. It's really cool looking. It's silver. Uh, you know, yeah, That's my favorite <laughs> cool. thing.
0: Nice. I, I think the memories are a really good thing to stress and the things that we've received from friends um, last year. I received a really well, actually in person and then one in, in, via post, you know, the Australian, um, lithographs that were done for the Gene Simmons solo tour. Um, oh yeah, that's nice. And yeah. also the Ace Frehley solo tour, which I had framed up, um, are great pieces of art in, in themselves and to have been gifts from friends or just mean the world to me. Um, <clears throat> but I think, My most cherished item is likely based on a memory. I haven't kept a lot of my ticket stubs. I used to sell them off in batches just because I, you know, I had no use for them. Um, I think the memory of Peter Chris's cutting room experience Mm. is represented by Mm. a t shirt that I wear a lot. Because after that event, I had taken a picture of the drums being ripped down and just they were stacked bass um tom and snare in a pile and mm-hmm. with the lighting still coming off it it made for a beautiful effect so i had my photo of that blown up and put on a black t-shirt with the last chris i was there you know cutting room and when i wear that t-shirt i always think of that event I always think of the people who i was with that day who i i interacted with um the performance itself and the music and seeing moochie have a song dedicated to her you know that he hadn't done at the australian one and the conversations that i had with scott at, at my table and the many other fans who i i know online who were there and we all shared in something very special absolutely spectacular and incredibly amazing. So that T-shirt, you know, I made copies on Teespring and said, you know, I made them available to other people. I've never seen anyone order one, so I think mine's probably the only one. It's starting to fall apart now, so I need to, you know, get another one so that I can continue to wear it. I don't keep a lot of the T-shirts that I've made. I saw, you know, our friends on Three Sides are laughing about the cesspool T-shirts that I had made. You know, I I had like 10 made. And I ended yeah. up throwing some of them out at shows. Uh, so someone probably got hit in the head with a cesspool t shirt. Um, I don't even have one. But this Peter Chris t shirt, I will make again. The Shakara ones, I don't care about. I wear Odyssey a lot as well. Just so joyous because I happen to but that Peter Chris one because it gives me all the warm and fuzzy memories that I need from that's my number one kiss event it always will be now I can't see them topping it in any way um Just, just one of those things. If it's a material thing, then it's easy. It's, you know, the 1974, uh, promo poster from the Kisteria box set that I went on a mission to get signed in 2017. That's one of the only things I still have. You know, I've had so much cool stuff come through my hands. I mean, the Stanley the Parrot acetate, it meant so much to me that I rapidly tried to sell it and eventually did. Um, so I think it's better to have an item that I value for the emotional value. Um, Rather than any possible monetary, because I'm sure there's some kiss shit around here that's worth a fair amount. I'll end up in mm. Goodwill when I'm dead for fifty cents, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and stuff like sponges, you know, which you fought for and had your hands stamped on, um, that were an important part of your show and for Mark, a, that's a gift to him. I mean, those are really kind of the things rather than auction wins or stuff that you can buy. And snow machines sound really fucking fun. I haven't been on one in years. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, We used to do a lot of snowmobiling. So thank you, Daniel, for mentioning those oh. cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, do any of you guys have some topics that you want to just introduce in the last few minutes? And uh, yeah, actually before, before I, <laughs> I, I, I let you guys talk. Hey, um, yeah the ace album so if you want to get entered into the random drawing just tell me which record label it's on ace is currently signed to uh in an email to kissfaq at com. i was going to come up with something more annoying but i'll just go with that mark you were going to say
1: actually i was going to come up with an annoying question too so you beat me to it
0: what was your annoying question
1: oh was no I, I was going to say like to win to win the, to win the t-shirt i was going to say what was on julian's favorite t-shirt what does it say Oh. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, so you don't have a
0: topic for me.
2: Well, let's see what else is well, on the board. Well, you, you you just have to get a hold of Alan, because I think he was at the Japan show, wasn't he?
1: Yeah.
2: Pretty soon, I want to hear his take on it, so see, see. you need to get a hold of him
0: mm. if you can. Yeah, yeah I've got to uh, have him on uh, Facebook and he's actually...
1: <laughs> there is one thing that's actually interesting to take a look at. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm wondering if any of you guys have seen this on the board. There was a a topic about uh, Warren Hewitt. I don't know if you guys know that guy, the producer guy. Uh, He put up a post just recently on his channel on the YouTube saying that how he uh, played guitar with Ace Freely. And he has like, he went through this whole thing about how he worked on, I think it was rock and roll hell or something on origins with him. And he also talks about space invader, and he goes through this video and he shows like a guitar that he signed to him. And he goes through a bunch of Kiss memorabilia that he, that he got from Ace on there. So um, I'm going to watch it because I haven't watched it yet. But apparently it's a pretty cool video in regards to the making of Origins and Space Invader. So if, if you guys are interested in, it on, in that, it's on the board.
2: I also saw Ace booked a, f- a few dates in Sweden this summer. So I'm yeah. gonna have to go a- and see him. He's at Gröna Lund. And uh, some other places, uh, some festival, not too far from here, so I might go and check that out. When was the yeah. last time he came? Last time he came to Sweden,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, it was a few years ago. But he seems to come here quite regularly. So, so here he's 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 here from time to time, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was a good video, actually. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but judging by people's responses to it, it is worth uh, checking out. So, um, check out on the board if you don't know where it is. Uh, really interesting video about recording Origins Volume 1 with Ace Slash and others. And it's, uh, the website is producedlikeapro.com. Yeah, Uh, where where that can be found. So, yeah. And speaking of Ace, he's uh, doing his last three dates of the year from tonight. Um, And I don't know. I think they're Midwest, but I have no idea. You have to look on his site for where they are if you're interested in going seeing them or if you're even able to. All right, let's leave that there for this week. That's a good bunch of diverse topics. Uh, remember, you know, there's a question embedded in this show of uh, winning a signed copy of Ace's 10th anniversary Anomaly double yellow vinyl LP. That's a mouthful. That's awesome. Um, Everything <laughs> should be complex to actually say. Uh, you know, think about some of these topics that we've discussed this week. You know, which one of the three kings are is your favorite?
1: Um,
0: should Gene do more? Should Gene get off his ass and actually help the band out? Um, are you okay being a hypocrite and dis, you know, dissing Brittany and uh, Millie Vanilli if you know Kisses Memorex <laughs> is providing a best entertainment value for your hard-earned dollars, or do you want to go to a live cat strangling session with Pyro? Um, you know tune in and let us know what you think because we do love having discussions with you and what we do appreciate is that they've been respectful on youtube and elsewhere very few trolls we appreciate the thoughts especially people who write long explanations of their thoughts and how we're wrong you know it's totally fair we'd love it it's uh you know Very much appreciate the time that you take to listen to our show and to comment on it. So for now, for Mark, for Ken, Daniel, and myself, thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time if this managed to record. Bye for now. (laughs) Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today.